And today we're going to continue with our study in 2 Corinthians and specifically looking at chapter 8, verses 16 through 24. I'm going to um, read these to you, uh, this passage to you, and then we'll have a, a word of prayer as well. Second uh, Corinthians 8, 16 through 24. But thanks be to God, who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is coming to you on his own accord. With him we are sending our brother, um, with him we are sending the brother who is famous among the churches for his preaching of the gospel. And not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. We take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us, for we aim at what is honorable not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. And with them, we are sending our brother whom we have often tested and found, found earnest in many matters, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. And as for our brothers, they are messengers of the church, the glory of Christ. So give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you before these men. That's just uh, Take a moment here to pray together. Lord, we are grateful for what you uh, present to us this day, uh, the blessings that have come already and the blessings that are still uh, waiting for us to enjoy as the day progresses. May we be mindful of your generosity towards us and be good stewards of all the good things that we receive. And now particularly of your word, may we be good stewards of its truth. Not only just uh, reading the word, but looking for the application to life itself. So allowing you to do your changing work in our hearts and our minds, so that we become more like your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Um, this passage is a little bit different than what we've been looking at in previous studies, because uh, this is basically the practical side of ministry. Uh, I'd, I'd like to refer to it kind of as the nuts and bolts of doing church work. These closing verses of chapter 8 are addressing a concern that Paul has, and that's the method of collecting and delivering the offering that the Corinthian church was uh, assembling or putting together that would be taken to the saints in Judea or those in Jerusalem who had been suffering under persecution and, and possibly some elements of a lingering famine. Um, Paul is, is just doing church work here, and, and as we look at this text, we might see a couple of things that are important to any of us who are engaged in church work, or more specifically, any of us that have a responsibility that needs to be executed appropriately. Um, Paul sets before the uh, Corinthians this plan, and there are two issues that he, he wants to address as he talks about the pickup and delivery of what appears to be a very significant and uh, sizable gift to go to Jerusalem. 
He first is wanting to assure the church of the security of that offering. Uh, in receiving it, it's going to be presented in its total to the designated recipients, uh, the people in Jerusalem. In our day, and particularly in the world of fundraising, <laughs> we would refer, this, refer to this as a designated gift, meaning that everything that was collected under the appeal that was being made would be all 100% dedicated toward that cause. And that's what Paul wanted to make certain that the, the Corinthians were, were uh, comfortable with, that in receiving the gift, all of it would be delivered uh, to the church in, in Jerusalem. And to do that, Paul recruited for the delivery a group of trustworthy brothers who were held in high regards among the churches there in the region. Uh, they are referred to as famous among the churches. They're referred to as tested and found earnest in many matters. Titus is the lead guy in this uh, campaign to collect and to deliver the, the gift to the church in Jerusalem. And it's to Paul's pleasure that Titus was eager to return to Corinth and to complete the task that was put in motion quite a while back. Uh, it, it delighted Paul to know that it even represented his own heart, his own love for the people in, in, in Corinth. Titus was not only commended by Paul, uh, receiving Paul's commendation. Uh, we see in verse 23, uh, Paul writes, as for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. Titus loved the Corinthians just as Paul loved the Corinthians. And at the same time, Titus be, would be well received because Titus had been there before. And, and he himself, Titus's own words were to express how, how well he was received by the people in Corinth. And accompanying Titus, there's another one referred to as the one being famous among the churches. Um, we don't know who this really, who this specifically is, but a number of the commentaries that I've read would suggest that it's probably Luke. And the fact that Luke is famous among the churches, number one, because he spent a lot of time in the churches in this area and uh, the larger part of Asia, minor, as traveling with Paul, and also, uh, in many ways, uh, engaged in, in ministering uh, alongside of Paul. He, along with those also named as tested, for, tested and found earnest in many matters and messengers of the churches to the glory of Christ, could refer to the other individual or individuals. And again, we don't know who their names are or who they are specifically, but we can make the assumption once more from some of the references in, in previous writings that this could possibly be either Silas or Timothy. Uh, and the reason that uh, the, the commentaries kind of land on these two is that both Silas and Timothy had spent time in, in Corinth, and once more they had accompanied Paul in a number of ministry opportunities. It's not important to know who they are. What's really important here is we recognize that Paul has gone to, to great efforts to assemble for, assemble for him a team that would accompany him that represents integrity and trustworthiness as through the eyes and minds of the people in the Corinthian church. So Paul puts this team together. And then Paul goes on to want, uh, with the mind of addressing a second issue. 
it's it's not spelled out completely uh, as clearly as we have seen it prior to this particular passage, but Paul is addressing his own integrity. You remember from past studies that we had learned uh, a divisive element within the Corinthian church. There were those who opposed Paul. There were those who were suspicious of Paul. There were those who even would generate the suspicion among the members of the church, wondering if Paul was even trustworthy. Could he be taken for his word? Questioning his, uh, his credibility. False teachers, maybe, but certainly jealous, mean-spirited men connected with the church were, would jump on any opportunity to discredit Paul. William Barclay, in his commentary, addresses it uh, in this manner. He says, Paul knew he had enemies and he had critics. <laughs> he knew well that there would be those who would not hesitate to charge him with turning part of the collection to his own use. And so he takes steps to see that that would be impossible to level such a charge against him by ensuring that the others will share with him the task of taking the, the gift to Jerusalem, those others being people that the people, the people in Corinth would trust. I, I just want to kind of accent again, accent this point again about uh, this matter of trustworthiness and the suspicion of some within the church. Barnes' commentary puts it this way. He says, Paul knew how easy it might be for his enemies to raise the charge that he had embezzled the funds and appropriated them for his own use. He therefore insisted on having associated with him someone who the entire who had the entire confidence of the churches and who should be appointed by them, and thus he was certain to be free from any blame or suspicion related to the use and delivery of the gift. So Paul was concerned about this. The plan was to address two things, the security of the offering and the integrity of all those who were involved. But there is an overriding objective that Paul buries right in the middle of this passage is in verse 21, where he says, For we aim at what is honorable not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. Paul was wanting to do what was honorable. That was Paul's objective. To whatever he did, it would bring honor to the Lord as well as be received as honor in the eyes of man. And, and that's really the lesson for all of us, as whatever we do, we do it with the intent of honoring God, and in the process, honoring man. And that's the formula right there. Whatever we do, if it's done to honor God, and it brings honor to his name, it is certain it will also be done to honor man. Romans 12:17 contains these words, which I think kind of sums this up. It simply reads, But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all, first to God and then to man. Jesus, uh, in uh, his Sermon on the Mount, addresses this whole thing about um, uh, making commitments. And it's just, it's, it's just said so beautifully when he, when he spoke to the, to the multitude. He said, let what you say be
be simply yes and no. Anything more than this comes from evil. May it be that we are so honorable, so trustworthy, so have such a degree of integrity that when we say yes, people know we mean yes, and when we say no, people mean we say no. Um, I have shared on a number of occasions, and I'm, I'm sure many of you have heard um, me draw from my list of the, um, the one another's. Well, I, I have another list, and I call this my list of whatever. And I, I want to just refer to two or three verses out of that list as we wrap this up this afternoon. Paul writes to the church in Colossae. And there's a couple of passages in Colossians 3 that I want to read to you. Colossians 3:17. Paul writes, And whatever you do in the word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, whatever you do in, in, in your speech, in, in the work of your hands, and, and I would say even, even the entertainment of the mind, whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord. It's amplified a little bit better as we go on through this, this chapter 3 of Colossians, where Paul writes, whatever you do, Work heartily as for the Lord and not for man, knowing that from the Lord you receive your inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. That's what it's all about. Everything that we do, whatever we do, is to be done as, we, as if we were serving Christ. And what's more, if whatever we do is in service to Christ, it's going to be honoring to God and it's going to be honoring to man. I have one more. And it's the advice of a mother. And it just happens to be the mother of Jesus. Uh, it unfolded at the wedding of Cana. And you know the account of where uh, the host had run out of wine. And Mary approaches Jesus and, and asks him to, to take care of the problem. And there, there had, at least the scripture suggests, a bit of reluctance on Jesus to do so. But the intuition of a mom knew that he was going to come through. Because as soon as she makes that request, she turns and she says to her servants, do whatever he tells you. That's the point. And that's, that's the whole thing in a nutshell. Do whatever he tells you. Um, that whatever he tells you can come from reading his word. It can come through uh, the counsel of godly men and women who want to speak into your heart or into your life and, and to, to represent the truth of, of God's word. Uh, be mindful of how, how the Lord brings to us uh, what he wants us to do. And then just do it. That's what this is all about. And that's what Paul wanted to do. He wanted to do whatever would be honorable to God and then also seen as honorable to man.